0: Would like to um, read the text for today. It's Hebrews 11:13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. <laughs> now, that's quite a calling, huh? These all died in faith. Now, the subject of death was not properly understood by many before Jesus came, because God really hadn't revealed a lot about what death was. Uh, Remember, he uh, (laughs) what does it mean to die? Well, the first time the word dies found in scriptures, God himself speaks it to who? He speaks it to Adam. God said it first to Adam. That's what he said. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden... Thou mayest freely eat. Now that talk about a blessing. There was a lot of trees in that garden. And he could eat them all. Every one of them. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The, 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 The original says, you'll die the death, right? In other words, this is a very certain thing that's going to happen. If you eat of this tree, you're going to die. Now, did Adam understand it? Even though Adam may not have had a complete understanding of it. I mean, nothing had ever died before. Right. So, uh, you know, to whatever degree that was, we know one thing. Adam was made in the image and similitude of God. Remember, God brought the animals before Adam and he named them. So now God tells him, this is a commandment now. Don't eat of this tree. If you do, you'll die. Adam knew one thing for certain. Don't eat of that tree, right? And um, he didn't like set out to eat the tree. I mean, he, he didn't set out to violate this commandment. That wasn't in Adam's heart. Adam wasn't looking for an opportunity to sneak off and partake of this tree. Something else had to happen. See, there was an enemy, an outside influence came in and corrupted um, his thinking. Thou shalt surely die. Now, I like this. I like reading commentaries, especially from older brethren. (laughs) Adam Clark, as he provides this word, a death, thou shalt die. In English, we say thou shalt surely die. Now, some of them say, thou sh- th- th- you, you will die. Well, see, that's not strong enough. See, that's not strong. God was making a point here. There's no way out of this. You eat of this tree, you're going to die. And so, dying, thou shalt die. And then he says, thou shalt not only die spiritually by losing the life of God, but from that moment thou shalt become mortal and shalt continue in a dying state until thou die. See, I chose that one because that actually lines up perfectly with what Adam experienced. Do you want to know what death is? It's what does it do to you? Remember when um, we were walking in death? All of us were walking at one time in death. And it just it's like it just got worse. And it got worse. And it got worse. There's nothing good about dying. It's, in other words, it's taking life from you. You got to, one way you could say it is that you just keep you just keep living less and less. Your, your, your perception you keep losing it more and more. Yeah. This we find literally accomplished. Every moment of man's life may be considered as an act of dying. Now, see in Christ, in Christ we can say, I die daily. See? It's like Christ is, there's a part of us that we have to put to death the deeds of the body, right? Yep. And so see what, you can see how Jesus turned this around. And actually it's in our favor now to, to, to put the flesh, the deeds of the body, those vile affections, we can do something with them now. We can put them to death. In other words, don't allow them To express themselves. So death, therefore, is a separation. See, death, when you die in your body, your soul is separated from your body. And so your body goes back to the dust from which it was taken, and your soul goes back to the one that gave it, right? And uh, your spirit, (laughs) well goes back to God too. See, it, 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 death is bad. Okay? God didn't God didn't get tell them, "Well, don't worry, eventually you're going to die anyway." No, see, they, they had to make a conscious choice yeah. to eat of that fruit. And when they did, well, guess what? They died. For the moment that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they instantly became separated from the life was in God. And we have proof. Genesis 3, 7. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Now, some people can make up all kinds of strange doctrines about this. The fact is, is that they became aware that God wasn't with them in the same way that it was fellowship with God had been broken. They died. They had never experienced death before. This was like brand new. Nobody had ever died. Nothing God ever created had ever died. And now they were died. So what they do, they get this. This is what they did. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. That wasn't what they were called to do. God didn't call them to be, to to make aprons. He called them to tend the garden, right? So look what they did. They died. They were separated from God and they went off and did something that they wanted to do instead of doing what God had commanded them to do. They were supposed to take care to tend. But see, something had interrupted that life. Life wasn't there no more. It was gone. Well, we've all experienced this. Uh, What happens when, when a person sins? Okay, how quick is it when you know you've sinned, you know I've sinned, and I've fallen short of the glory of God. How long does it take you to say, forgive me? Well, until that time, there's a separation that's caused. Sin causes a separation. Well, both of them suffered spiritual death, but their bodies also began the process of dying. God would cast them out of the garden. That's he, and, and actually, this was a mercy God casting them out of the garden was a great mercy. It was to prevent them from eating of the tree of life and living forever in an alienated condition. Woe would be man's man's future would have been sealed if he would have ate of that tree. I'll just read the text. And the Lord God said, behold, the man has become one of us to know good and evil. And now. Lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Yeah. Adam could not be allowed in that condition to eat of the tree of life because that would have locked his condition in forever. But see, remember, God's in control. God's working a purpose in salvation. And so what is he doing? He separates him from the tree of life, he doesn't have any access anymore. To the tree of life. Well, on one side of the equation, that's terrible for the man, right? But it's it preserves God's salvation. He's going to do a work, eventually, and, and this is great when you consider this. Eventually, after God's all done with working with men, all of a sudden you see the tree of life emerges again, right? See, God's working a purpose. He was going to bring something to have to pass that in the end, man would once again be able to eat of this tree, and they would say, salvation is of the Lord. And they would bring along with them a whole lot of enlightenment. They would understand why why God said, don't eat of the tree. The stage on which God's eternal salvation would be worked out is now set. Gee, God, how was God going to manifest this long-suffering nature? How was this going to be brought about? There wasn't anybody that needed God to be long suffering with them. Well, man sinned, didn't he? He sinned. He ate of the tree that God commanded him not. Yep. God cast him out of the garden into this world. And then all of a sudden, God would start working with them little by little, and he would divulge. He would be long suffering, he would be merciful. And all of a sudden, the angels would say, we've never seen this before. Look at this. Look at God's merciful. They didn't know God was merciful, but they, they know it now. They know it. Jesus, his own son, the word became flesh and died for the sins of his own creation. Now, that's a tender and a merciful God. even through death, as an enemy. See, an enemy entered in. God didn't save the enemy, did he? Uh, uh, this, is, this is true. God did not save the enemy that caused the fall. He didn't. He cast, remember, when Satan fell, he cast him out of heaven, and eventually he's going to cast him into the lake of fire. So see, this, um, this talk that I, God loves everyone the same, well, they, Lucifer would disagree with you. God didn't love me. He's going to cast, cast him into the lake of fire. The reign of death had begun. That's a little error there. She says, begin, it's begun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, behold, all souls are mine. Everything belongs to God. All of his creation, it all belongs to God. As the soul of the son is mine, the soul of the sinneth, it shall die. Now, for the wages of sin is death, right? Now, which one of us, let me see, which one of us sinned? I think we'd all have to raise our hands to that. Well, how is it that that we got by with it? Well, see, we didn't get by with it. We didn't get by with it at all. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody had to pay the price for our sin, right? Somebody had to step up. Now either it had to be us or we find out by God's great salvation there could be someone that could be a sin bearer. Someone who could come on the scene and could take the sin of the whole world on themselves and he could bear it away. Unless God intercedes... The whole of humanity will be lost forever. And God's plan of salvation, if you want to call it that, God's eternal purpose was to divulge things about his character, show who he is. It would have all been thwarted, which meant meant if this could have happened, then Lucifer really was greater than God. I mean, if you boil it down, if, if, if Lucifer can enter into the garden and destroy God's purpose, then he must be just as good at great as God, right? But see, the fact is, is that what he didn't understand, because he's not as great as God, is that God's in control. Why did Lucifer even want to get into that garden? Well, because he wasn't as smart as he thought he was. And what happened is his own, his own plan backfired on him. That's what happened. Satan's not as smart as as God. Now this view of death. Solomon did not have an answer of peace concerning this dilemma. Man had sinned. He had fallen short of the glory of God. And then what was he going to do? Well, he had said what he was going to do. He was going to (laughs) die. I mean, he sinned. The soul that sinned, it shall die. And so Solomon comes along, you know, and, and others. Job had some had some similar thoughts. There wasn't a lot of revelation about death until Christ comes along. You, your your body dies; it goes into the ground, and they figured that was just pretty much it. We got this soul sleeping doctrine out there now, and it teaches that man dies and their their soul stays in the ground with them, and they just you know. One of these days when they rise from the dead, then their soul will be, you, you know, you, I guess, come awake. They'll be sleeping till then, right? This is what um, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon thought this. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Now, is that the truth? Is it, is it the truth that when you die, well, then, well, I guess there's a sense in which from their understanding, I'm, I'm not like... I'm not like beating these brother up. I, I'm try, see, we want to know what the truth of this is. And the truth is, they didn't have all the information. So what they saw is that, wait a minute, when, when Joe died and we put him in the ground, Joe wasn't out plowing his field anymore, right? Yeah. He wasn't, I did, couldn't have a conversation with him anymore. Yeah. So obviously that must be the end. Going to the ground, you know... And, one of these days, now, Job, he had a little bit more. Job reasoned. He, I like Job asked questions about God, right? Of God. And he was waiting for his change. Now, see that? Did you see that? How Job had more hope. Yeah. He, he saw that. Wait a minute. I'm a little, I saw that tree over there, and I cut it down, and it was dead. And yet, you pour some water on it, and what do you know? Some life comes out of that stump. And so he reasoned, if there's hope for a tree, well, then how much more hope should we have for one of God's people, right? That's what he said, Job 14, 10. "But, But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, and where is he? As the waters fail from the sea, and the flood decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not. But he added a little something till the heavens be no more Job was hoping for a resurrection a time when he would come back He see Job knew that there was a God and the God was greater than death now that's pretty powerful even in the starlight age right Till the heavens be no more, they shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave. Remember what Job's going through, right? He's got boils all over him. He's in constant pain 24 hours a day. He said, just just let me die. Hide me in the grave until the troubles pass. And then raise me from the dead. That's In his mind, that probably would what have been the best thing. But see, God's going to show him that wasn't the best thing. God was going to take it away, right? That thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? You see, these are all questions. He didn't have the answers for that. But look, us and now in the, in the, under the new covenant, we have the answer for this. We know there is a resurrection of the dead where we're going to be gathered together with Christ. Amen. See, we know so much more. Why? Because Jesus came. That's why Jesus came, the one who is the word. So what does it mean to die? Well, Jesus answers the question for us, right? When Jesus was here, he taught men about life, death, the world to come. He openly taught in the temple, and his words were precise and full of life. In fact, his words came directly from God, and were delivered by the one who himself was called the Word of God. so see we, we can trust in Jesus' words that it, not only has Jesus been here, Jesus came from there, a place where no one dies. see ultimately ultimately the soul of man. Doesn't die as far as it be annihilated. There's there's a doctrine called the annihilation doctrine that eventually those that are go to the lake of fire will eventually their soul like will burn out. It'll just eventually they'll just be annihilated. Well, that's just a lie. They, anyone created in the image and similitude of God can't die. God can't die, right? So what part of you can die? Well, your body can die. This body right here, it's temporal of the earth, earthy. It's going to perish. But you, who you really are, you're going to to go stand before the the God that made you, and then he's going to put you where it's appropriate. What does it mean to die? But Jesus Jesus often encountered opposition. I thought, you know, this is just a side thought. Jesus, but most of the time, in fact, I couldn't remember one occasion when it wasn't someone that was religious, someone that didn't have something to do with the Jewish religion. They were his biggest opponents. It's like they got a little bit of understanding. They got the law of Moses, and they, and they scoured through it, and they became an expert. Here Jesus comes on the scene, the Word of God, and they reject him, which shows you that they didn't really understand what they had. Because if they had, they would have. Simeon didn't have any problem with it, Right. And I didn't have any problem with him. No. See, so anyway, that's just a side thought. So you, we, when we come up against a scripture and it's trying to teach us something, let's just be open minded to be good learners. Yeah. Yeah. It's right there. It's, it's the word of God and the Holy Spirit is active to open it up to us. So really, we shouldn't be afraid. Uh, God's with us. He can teach us these things. This is what Jesus said, John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Now, wait a minute. I'm still inside this old carnal body that's eventually going to fall into the ground and die, but I'm not going to die and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. What death is he talking about? Well, ultimately, he's talking about the second death. You can be saved right now from the second death. See, we're going to die. Our body's going to die. Unless, of course, Jesus comes back, right? He could come back right now, and then we wouldn't have to physically die, but we'd still have to physically be changed. So the point is, is that death or change, which is really what death is. It's a change. It's a change of garment. Now, Ultimately, everyone who's ever died is going to raise from the dead when Jesus comes back, and they're going to be given a body like unto his glorious body, right? But, but um, until then, there are, you know, a lot of different doctrines here. You go open up the Bible, and you can find a lot of different doctrines about right now. Do they have bodies? Do they not have bodies? Do they have... None of that is important. Jesus didn't go into that. The fact is, is that this is the most important thing. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, that sounds good to me. I understand that. I understand that if my body, if I'm absent from it, that means I'm not in it. I'm going to be present with the Lord. And whatever arrangement that is, I just want to enter right into that. I just believe that. Because it gives me peace. Otherwise, it just gets, actually, it can get very tiresome. To try to chase down all the different doctrines that people want to formulate about things that they really don't know anything about either. Is past. Now remember, the soul that sinned, that shall die. So, how, how is it, and this is the Pharisees, I'm just going to present this, this will be the presentation of the thoughts of the Pharisees. How in the world can you say that, Jesus? How can you say that they pass from death into life when they, I know they've sinned. They're going to have to pay for that sin. Right? The soul that sinneth, it shall die. They don't have life. Actually, they're going to have condemnation and death. But see, what they didn't know was they didn't know Jesus was going to show up and he was going to take on him, the sin of the whole world. And he was going to bear the sins of many. Remember, there were principalities of powers in heaven. They heard God say this. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, wait a minute. Now, the, uh, the angels, the principalities of powers, cherubims, are, they're all there. The elders, they heard him say, the soul that sinneth, that one, it's going to die. It's not going to live. It's going to die. Abraham spoke the answer to his son. Remember, Isaac, they were on their way up the mountain and Abraham tells him something that was so profound. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here, my son, and he said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That's what God's done in Christ. See, there wasn't anything we could do about it. We could die, but we couldn't come back. So, what did God do in His kindness and His tenderness and His mercy and His compassion? He took upon Himself our own sin and He bore it away. He took it away. Now, Jesus hadn't done any sin, but we had. God laid on Him the iniquity of us all and He took it away. Now, that's salvation. You are blessed by God today because Jesus took your sins away. If death was ever going to be destroyed, there could be, you remember, one, one sin, one sin, the transgression of one brought iniquity into the world. And now it's going to have to be the death of one to take it all away. God sent his own son. But what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, what did He do? He condemned sin in the flesh. Praise God for that! It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. They did it for how many years? How many centuries? They they killed animals to cover man's sin. But see. It appeased God in that it, it reminded him of the sacrifice that was coming, but it didn't do anything for the conscience of men, right? Because it's not possible. See, a, a blood of, a, of of a bull or a goat, they're, one, they're not man, and two, they don't have a conscience. Couldn't work, but it did work as a reminder. Wherefore, when he cometh in the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. God gave Jesus a body, and it was a body just like our body. I mean, it was, it was born of a woman, right? It was born under the law. It had to submit to the law of God. Jesus shows up, and he's got a body, one that could die. Now, how similar was Christ's body to mine? It could die. That's how similar. Because Jesus was going to be God's lamb. God was going to lay the sin and iniquity on him. And he would have to bear up under the wrath of God against all sin. And he did. He did it. He was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. Yet, Jesus' body never sinned. Now, see, you you want to know what kind of a body would you have right now today if it had never been allowed to sin? See, I I make this point because, see, even though it was like our body, it wasn't exactly like our body. We have sinned, and our body, well, it knows we've sinned. Once you present your body with a certain sin or a certain—it likes—all of a sudden, your body— it can be your enemy now. It can try to lead you into areas that you don't want to go. Your new man says no, and it has to what? Crucify the flesh with the affections and lust. Jesus, he had a body that never sinned, never sinned. Why? Because it had to be, it had to be a a body that could be a sacrifice to God. And he, it was. It was Jesus' body. He was 10, verse 12 says, But this man, talking about Jesus, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Jesus' death is the only death that had a real purpose. Everyone else is died because they sinned. Jesus died to take away sin. Now, that's a big difference. He himself had, had done no sin. There wasn't any guile found in his mouth. And yet every one of us, we couldn't say that. Every single person that has ever lived has sinned and falls short of the glory of God except this one man. He appeared in the end of the world, and, and he was perfect. So perfect, God boomed out of heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for sin because he had never personally sinned. For by one offering, is what, what Jesus did for us. It's what God did for us, for by one offering He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. In other words, those that God has given to Christ, those that the Christ has taken away their sin. Well, see, they're accepted by God. They're sanctified. They're set apart for a future work. Jesus' death is the only death. I already said that; that had a real purpose. But it's worth saying again. See, Jesus didn't just die casually. There was a reason that Jesus died. And until you see the reason that Jesus died, you really, you you won't understand what salvation is all about. See, God would make Jesus, his soul, an offering for sin. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, for he hath put him to grief. With thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Even though he hadn't sinned, we had and so remember, we read the scriptures, the, the heavens heard the scripture, the, 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 everyone, the whole earth knows the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But God has a remedy for that. Amen. He said, yeah, there's going to be a soul that dies for all sin. One soul brought it in and one soul took it out. Amen. He shall see his seed. That's you now. That's you. Are you a believer? Are you in Christ Jesus? Then you're his seed. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. And that's exactly what had to happen in, in, in salvation. If sin was going to be remitted, if it was going to be done away with, God had to be pleased with the sacrifice. Amen. And it was a willing sacrifice. Jesus willingly laid down his life in order that we might have life. So now, see, actually, since Jesus did his part, he really did. He submitted to it. He laid down his life. Now, see, it will be wrong for God not to save those who put their trust in him. Actually, God rejoices over those that put their trust in his son. Why? Because this was this was the only way that, uh, that man could be saved. He, he couldn't do it himself. He'd already proven himself ineffective in keeping himself from sins. Well, how could you possibly take it away? But Jesus did keep himself. He was a pure sacrifice. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection. Amen. From the dead, right? As an Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So you can live now if you're in Christ. Yeah. That, that That's the condition. So how, how do you get in Christ? Well, there's a sense in which it's by invitation only, right? And the invitation is the gospel. Yeah. It's the gospel. You, you want to get it, just listen to the gospel, hear the word, and then believe it. You really believe that Jesus died to take away your sins. That's how personal it is. He, Jesus really did die to take away personally your sin. The question is, is do you personally believe that? And when you do, it's imputed to you for righteousness. Yeah. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Now this is, <laughs> this is a big thing. Death reigned over the human race ever since Adam sinned. And yet, yeah, look, Jesus has put the death nail to death, right? He has. So when this corruptible shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So why? Because Jesus really did destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. He can't hold anything over your head if you can see the truth. Jesus took away sin. And you believe that and you start walking in light of that. And when the devil comes and tries to tempt you, you say, no, I don't have to. I'm alive to God now. I can have a better answer than the one Adam had. Yeah, I have a better answer. I believe. I believe the true report. Jesus took away my sin. Amen. Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises. The, the, the thing that God promised these patriarchs, they didn't even have move into it. They believed it. They believed it was coming. They trusted God, but see, they didn't receive it while they were here. What you've received, you've got these exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be a partaker of the divine nature That wasn't even held out to them. Most of all the blessings that was promised to Abraham had to do with here in this life. What what was he doing? He was walking about the land. And when he walked about the land, he come to a conclusion. There's got to be more than this. Why? Because God was with him. Are you persuaded that what God's told you is true? When you are, it moves you it causes you to move forward you say why wait a minute I'm not going to be enamored by this world anymore it only takes things away from me God's promises they give you something we hope in a better resurrection they embrace them they confess that they're strangers and pilgrims in the earth for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country well, you know, as you walk with Christ, you, you start having a greater love for that country than the country you came out of. Yeah. We came out of a, of a really a, a very bad country. It was a country where we, it was, we, we were taught just to sit down and be comfortable. Everything's okay. But it's not okay. The house is on fire. Yeah. See, it, 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 but it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't tell you that. It just comforted you. It'll be just a little while. Don't worry about nothing and everything's okay. It's not okay. Yeah. We got to make our way out of here. Remember the Pilgrim, when he left the city of destruction, he plugged his ears and he ran. He said, life, life, everlasting life. He saw, I got to get out of here. Yeah. It's coming down. And see, this is, he's provided us a better country. We got to make our way to it. Because he gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness of sins. He gets, we can Walk in his spirit. Oh, I tell you, these patriarchs, they didn't get, they didn't have that pleasure, did they? They didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit like we have? Why? Because, see, we've been called, this is, we have salvation that's realized. They were looking forward to a salvation that we have right now. Now, brother, we've been, We've been given these exceeding great and precious promises in, in order that they might work something in us that is greater than what it worked in them. Now they believed, I'm not discounting that, but we've been given, we've been given to see and to experience and to taste of the powers of the world to come. See, for me to say, well. I have the same faith as as Abraham. Well, you have the same kind of faith, but if you only have the same measure, there's something wrong. Abraham did not see what you got to see. Yeah. Why? Because he, what you're going to go through absolutely uh, requires a personal, a personal um, gift of the Holy Spirit. Did, did, did you, uh, we've been given to see something that nobody before the new covenant could see. Experience it. Faith promotes living. That's what, see, see, Well, I have faith, i got faith. Well, are you living under God? Because if it's not, if, if not, then you don't have the faith of God's elect. That's just the way it is. Faith always produces life. It, it, it calls you to, to move forward. Faith gives you eyes so you can see afar off. You, you can understand what God's called you to. Are you looking forward to what God's promised? because you've got eyes. You can see it. You really can. And if you can see it, it's in order that you can lay hold of it. See, in other words, it becomes part of who you are. It, and and um, one of these days, you're going to experience the fullness of it. Right now, it's just a primer, so to speak. Real hope always produces a readiness for the coming of the Lord. Now we already heard today about the coming of the Lord, but see, this why are we ready? Because we have faith. Faith readies us, makes us aware he could come at any minute. Are you persuaded that God's promises are really yours in Christ Jesus? They really belong to you. What's happened? Faith. That's what's happened. Faith will make it personalizes the promise for for you. Whatever you're going through, believe me, if you have faith and you push in, you'll have the resources you need to overcome. Whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference what it is. Whatever's in the way, faith will lead you to crucify the flesh and to take up your cross. Follow after Jesus. The Apostle Paul exhorted Timothy and he said, Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an advantageous, and make full proof of your ministry. Whatever God's given you to do, whatever your hand finds to do, do it, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not as unto men. Faith moves you to do those things. Well, this is a good exhortation for us all to be mindful of. We're living in dangerous times. Because the love of many has waxed cold. See, in other words, those around you sometimes can be can, can attempt to make you dull. They'll think thoughts, they'll say things that are that, that will try to dull your your perception of God. We're living in, in definitely trying times. The love of many's waxed cold. So, what's the remedy? Well, we've got to press in. You you want to gain the benefits of of fellowship with God? Then you got to separate yourself from these kinds of things and press in and when you do I mean you may have to be in the environment but it won't have the effects of you. faith can transport you remember like he could pick up some of the prophets by the head of the hair and drop them off and they would see a vision we serve the same God is there anything troubling you God can just give you peace right in the middle of the trouble What is that? Why is it possible? Because Jesus has made a way, even in the wilderness, even in the tryingness of times, the promises are to be embraced. Now, you know, Sister Sarah, we just went over Sister Sarah, talked about, but I, I neglected to put this scripture in there. It was perfect. It was perfect to end this with. The promises are to be embraced. And I thought, you know what? What a greater picture that we have than Sister Sarah. How she embraced it. She, she didn't believe it at first. It was like it was like too much. How are you going to do this? But at some point in time, within that three-month period or so, she, she embraced the promise. She believed this God that brought us this far is able to do this. And when she did, she embraced the promise. And when she did embrace it, it became hers. Amen. Now look at this. And Sarah said, now this is after she's had the baby. God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. This was like a laugh of joy, right? Look what God's done. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would give children suck for I have borne him a son in his old age. See, you can see. It's like the the promise to Sarah became a reality the moment she held the baby in her arms, and she it was it was real. Brother, salvation is real. It's real. You really, really don't have to do what the devil wants, and you can do what God wants because He really has taken away sin. You really are one of his, his firstborn. See, you've been birthed by Christ. You belong to God now. And so what does he do? He's bringing you to a place to where none of this, it's all going to go away. It's all this, all the world, the flesh and the devil it's all going to go away. And what matters is, this: while you were here, did you allow God to culture you for the world to come? Because when it comes and it's coming those that have embraced it, those that have made it their own because they love it, they're going to have a kingdom that will never end. Faith leads us to confess that we're strangers and pilgrims. Now, I th- when, I, when I got sick, I have to confess, I knew, I felt my strangerhood. I felt... This is not my home, and, and and you know there was I was greatly tempted just to say, just go ahead and take me, because this whole thing, the whole, the, all the environment, it was just bad. It was just bad, and I thought, you know what? I, I know. I know. I'm fully persuaded that. The the land up ahead where we're going to is much better, much better than this place. God chose to 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 heal me and keep me here, and I'm thankful for that. But this perspective, see this this, this was I needed this perspective. Now I believed it before and I saw it to some degree. But see the thing is, is that while we're here, we're here for one reason. That's to exalt the man Christ Jesus to point to him. This is the one. He can, he can um, give you everlasting life. There's nobody else that can do that. You say, well, but I got all these troubles. Well, not for very long, you don't. Whatever troubles you got, they're not for very long. But if you've got Christ, you've got it all. You, you've got everything you need for God to be pleased with you. Faith leads us to confess, to say with our mouth, to admit it in our heart that this land is not worthy of our affection. It it teaches us to deny ungodliness. What is all that? It's confessing. I'm a stranger. I don't fit in here anymore. Well, something's happened, hasn't it? Because remember, we used to fit in quite nicely. The flesh flesh is never going to fit into heaven. Just like the redeemed don't fit into this world. They just don't. They find themselves in precarious situations where they would rather be with God, but they're in—they're in here. They're in this world. But one of these days, brother, either either by our exiting the world or by Jesus coming, this isn't going to be here any longer. It's all going to burn up. And if you're tied to it, if your affection is tied to it, well, you're going to suffer loss. But if you're looking forward, if you're longing for that city which is above, well. <laughs> your strangerhood will actually work to your salvation. See, you won't be, let it go, <laughs> let it go. Strangers, I like this. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. You know, I, when we come to the assembly, we're, 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 I remember years ago, I saw this on a sign, the, the assembly of strangers and pilgrims. Strange. I didn't I didn't really understand. I thought, but well, that's kind of odd. But let's see, it's it's exclusive, I'll put it that way. See, the thing is, is that if you're a stranger and a pilgrim and you prefer the things of the Lord, then when you get around somebody that's like that, all of a sudden, before you know it, you'll be you'll be talking. Next thing you know, you will be like, oh, I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about a kingdom which shall never pass away. Everyone is a stranger somewhere. Now, either you're a stranger and a pilgrim in this world, but not of it, or you're a stranger and a pilgrim of heaven. There's some people that have no idea what you're talking about. You say heaven, they think the clouds. They don't know what you're talking about. But see, everyone's a stranger, so we want to be strangers here, not strangers in heaven. We want to be citizens of heaven, right? Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners. Isn't that good to hear? I mean, our our tenure here is is just gonna run out one of these days. But fellowship with the saints, and of the how we are of the, the fellowship with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. We we're gonna be gathered together into the into the one. That loved us and gave Himself for us. There can't be a better place than that, right? No. A place where, where where Jesus is, a place where we're going to get to reign with Jesus in His throne. Jesus is coming back. There's no doubt about that. He's, it, it's 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 either today or tomorrow or years to come. Jesus is coming back, and when He does, our strangership ceases, and we become joint heirs with Him. So, brother, by faith, I'll exhort you, keep believing the promises. They're real, and they're for you. Praise God.